Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Well, greetings, dearest gardening friends. We're ready for you. Bring it on. 94841927. Bev Daring will take your call when you phone in this morning. John Glidden, our garden show researcher and chief chef, is standing by. And uh, he deals with everything we throw at him every Saturday morning. And a big shout out to the ever charming, ever witty Ellen Simons for... His eclectic sense of insightful humour and uh, fabulous music choices and fellow gardener Peter Kelly supported Ellen today and cycling DJ Jim Crinan wrapped up the brekkie show with his cycling update just now. So thank you so much, boys. Keep warm. Fakaro, what a big week it's been again. <laughs> We it just roll. We just roll, don't we, from one Saturday to another. <laughs> it has been absolutely the most perfect autumnal weather. It has and been this, just glorious. And this is why it's my favourite time of the year. How can you beat this? Oh, things are blooming, Ray. Mm. Lots of things are self-sowing. Mm. Oh, it's a time to get out there, plan, plant. And just really enjoy it. Enjoy and it. The sunrises are glorious. Yeah. Autumn sunrises and sunsets. They're mm. That spectacular tangerine, for want of a better description, they are the best. And yes, it gets nippy at night, but we like that as well. Although you and I were saying last night, oh, it's cold. It, it, it was very brr when we got here this morning, that's yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and not, not too bad in the studio. It was even cold yesterday, all day. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't warm. It wasn't mm. warm. So the flowers are loving it. Roses are blooming still. I've got, I was, believe it or not, I was doing a bit of hand watering last night and some of my frangies are still popping out flowers. I know. What is it with I that? don't know. No, how late is that? And uh, yeah, the inflows are ready to open. And I, thought, I was just staring at one thinking, okay, whatever. Yeah, well, I guess so it's different. sunshine. The sunshine yeah. and on our shoulders makes us happy, <laughs> makes us blossom. Sunshine, yes. So we've got a nice show lined up for you listeners and we've got some great giveaways as well. So yeah, uh, stay tuned to us. We're going to be joined in the studio at 20 to 9 by Ben Mayo. He's a horticulturalist, but he's talking about clematis today. And I am very happy. I was driving here this morning thinking, yay, we're talking flowers. <laughs> I can't believe it. And uh, yeah, clematis is just a mystery uh, flower for us that have not had, those of us, I guess, that have not had you know, roaring success. I've had success for periods of time and then they go off. I do. I don't. And know. I've always felt like they're, you know, one of those plants that, number one, I wouldn't know where to plant it just <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. And number two, yeah, I'd 
stuck with a lot easier things. So yeah, maybe, maybe I, I'm ready to give it a go, I a am, challenge. I am. And, of course, after a false start last week, Josh Byrne is joining us for a phone interview today talking about mega trends in gardening, autumn workshop series and uh, much, much more. So tune in to Josh Byrne at five past nine this morning. Okay, we need to get to work straight away. We're in Vic Park talking to Antonio. Good morning. Morning, Antonio. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I would like what, when is the time to prune figs and grapes? That's all, please. That, thank you. That is a very easy one to kick off the day. My preference is when they have dropped all of their leaves. So the sap has stopped flowing. Okay. It's gone back to the base of the plant and you can actually prune and train the the vines and the tree without them bleeding and that is the very best time you can actually see the framework so that's the easiest time yeah uh, wouldn't they have leaves no good to, to cut that to prune isn't it well right. you know they yeah. they will yeah. be at varying degrees across perth yeah. depending on where they're placed in a garden so once they start yeah. dropping their leaves and because there's a lot of fig wax scale around it's a, a good idea to clean up all those leaves and remove them because if there's any scale on them, they can overwinter in the ground and the ants will move them back up into the trees when the warmer so weather remo- starts. Remove the before they drop on the, fl- uh, the ground, is it? When, when they drop on the ground, rake them up and remove them. Ah, yeah, not before. Okay. And uh, can you get, sometimes you get a shirt or two, whatever, to plant in the ground can be done. I done them in the past, no problem, isn't it? To have a new one, like planting, you know, from the when you prune them, you growing can, them from cuttings. Yeah. yeah. And when you prune them, exactly. So yeah. take pieces around thirty to forty centimeters long, two nodes in the ground, uh, a square cut just under the lowest node, and the the tip out of the ground. And when the weather warms up, they'll start producing roots and should shoot away, no problems at all. And actually, you can put them in the ground where they are or you can plant multiple in a pot. Just put all the sticks in a pot. When they develop roots, then you can separate them out and pot them on. I have to be in the pot better, okay. And then can cut them in the angle when you cut them? The the bottom cut is a square cut. Square means straight. Yes. Flat. Yes. Ah, okay. Because I was thinking somebody told me you can cut them in the angle with that. But okay, now I listen to you, you're an expert. Well, it's okay. because a square cut gives you less of a surface area, and you uh-huh. need that to heal, not rot. If you were putting uh, yeah. it into a vase, you would do an angle cut so it doesn't sit on the bottom of the vase it actually and, um, can yeah. take up the water and then your your top cut is an angled cut if you're actually yeah. cutting the top okay and then uh, can you plant them straight to the ground without pot or not you can yes yeah. absolutely yeah. and the okay. same with hydrangeas and how much deep from flat uh, ground a, a hole how deep uh, t- uh, 50 inches? 40? It, it depends on your prunings, but two nodes in the ground and about two above. Ah, the, the knots, the one they shut. Okay, I get what you mean, yeah. 
Okay. God bless you and thank you so much. You're and most welcome, Antonio. The roses, the same thing, isn't it? Uh, roses pruning uh, June, July, even August. Yeah. You, They'll tell you because they start mm. to look really manky. They drop their leaves. Yeah. Once again, right. clean up all the leaves to, yeah. to maintain hygiene. And yeah. yeah, you've got a while before you have to worry about them. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Antonio. Thanks, Antonio. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. And we're moving to Dianella. We're talking about the black-eyed Susan. Jean, good morning. Morning, Jean. Good morning, um, ladies. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to know if you're able to buy the black-eyed Susan um, here in Perth. Uh, We were given to understand that it's uh, not for sale anymore because um, it's a, a... a, a, a naughty plant? I don't know. Hmm. I I don't know about that. I, you know what? I have not seen one in a garden for many, many years. Yes, we, that's right. We thought we'd, we'd like to put one in next to a red one and just give the contrasting colours. Hmm. Um, uh, not a red, like uh, Susie, an, another trumpeted type yes. climber. Now and, I uh, thought that was one side and wanted to put a black-eyed Susie on the other, a Susan on the other, but we haven't been able to find one. Oh. Have you been able to find them in seed form? No. I I recollect that I've seen seeds around at some point. What we might do is throw this to John Jean, yeah. and he can have a look and see what we can uh, find if with. there's any. Mm on stock lists in nurseries and or seeds. Otherwise, perhaps one of our listeners could uh, call in. So you're in Dianella, so if there's anyone around near Dianella that has a plant, that would be handy. It Uh, would. (laughs) hmm. All right, well, we'll come back to that. Okay, thank you very much, ladies. I enjoy your show. Thank you, Jean. Jean. And let's head to Ross Moyne. We're talking about potting mix with Ken. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Fajre. How are you both going? Yes, good. good, thank you. Cold, frosty morning this morning. It sure was. <laughs> it is. I didn't look at the temperature gauge in Jandakar. I just know it was cool. It's always two degrees <laughs> less than everywhere <laughs> else. Yeah. <laughs> I've listened to your sh- show um, with your, your, your um, potting mix formulation, and each time you've given it over the radio, I've been driving the car and unable to write it down. Um, I wondered if you could, if there's a list that the, the station has got somewhere, if you could read it out once more for me so I can write it down. I'm ready and waiting with a pen and paper at hand. All right. Now, I'm going to be very careful about this because it's very easy to forget one of the ingredients. Um, okay. And I don't want to do that because once it's said, it stays here forever. So I'm, as we speak, I'm writing it down. So... I would use a bag of potting mix. Yep. A bag of orchid mix. Yeah. A bag of charcoal, and that bag is considerably smaller than the potting mix bag. Yeah. Charcoal. Yes. And the 25-litre perlite bags, I would use half of one of those. Now, exactly what is perlite? I heard you say that, and I, I, I don't know what that, that is. It's white, it's very light, and it's very porous. So it maintains pore spaces in the mix. 
and you can okay. get a very small one or a larger one. So, so small or large? Yes, either either or. It won't matter. Okay. okay. Um, also, cinnamon, a packet of cinnamon, and that helps ward off fungus gnats, and it makes your potting mix smell lovely too. And <laughs> I also add some slow-release fertiliser, and I do that depending on what I'm planting. So if I was planting something like anthuriums, which I would like to flower, then I would use a slow-release fertiliser for flowering plants, something that, you know, it might even say roses or citrus, that would be fine. I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I've got about 20 geranium pots, which I'm uh, uh, baskets, which I'm going to repot altogether. And, uh, you know, they start to look tatty. The soil is de- degraded, and uh, oh. so I want to put fresh soil into all the pots well, and, and, and a new coir into it as well. Well, Ken, the mix that this recipe is ideally used for is aroids, uh, also ferns, and possibly sometimes would even adjust it a little bit for succulents. Um, okay. So, but so for geraniums, generally I tend to use pretty much just the potting mix. I don't change that that recipe very much at all. Okay. The reason the reason I asked that is because. You know the the the, the, the potting mix has gone that that's in there has it's consolidated it's and it, you add extra and so the baskets become to get to to get okay. very heavy. Yep, for sure. So okay, what you can do add uh, use premium potting mix, slow release fertilizer for flowering plants, and yep. perlite, and the small one would be fine. And that will give you an open light mix, perfect for hanging baskets. And you'll have everything you need in that. So just the three things then? Yes. That's perfect. Yep. Easy. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Good one, you can. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. And Barb rang in and she recently bought two black-eyed Susans from Waldex in Myrie. Uh, she said she did have to wait for the second one to come in. And Shane emailed us advising Bunnings have black eyes. Oh, seasons. there you go. So, Jean, yes, if you can't mm-hmm. find them at the nursery, put your name down. Yeah. And they order it in. You know, they will get them in when they're available. Often they come into nurseries when they're in flower mm. at their ideal growing time. So, yes, of yeah. course. All right. Now, I've got a giveaway to. A preview screening of The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Must be a Curtin FM member, not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Uh, And our phone number, if you would like to give Bev a call, is 94841927. Let me tell you a little bit about this special preview. It's on Wednesday the 7th of June. It will be starting at 6.30pm and it's held at the brand new renovated in event, event Cinemas Inaloo. Okay, so it's at the brand new, newly renovated Event Cinemas in Inaloo. Preview screening of the unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Harold is on an uplifting journey of redemption and self-discovery and at its heart is a film about community and love. Harold Fry was never meant to be a hero. 
He's an unremarkable man who has made mistakes with all the important things, being a husband, a father and a friend. And now, well into his 60s, he is content to fade quietly into the background of life until one day Harold learns his old friend Queenie is dying. Harold leaves home, walking to his post office to send her a letter. And out of the blue, Harold decides to keep walking all the way to her hospice, which is 450 miles away. So if you're a Curtin FM member and you'd like to join us for a special adventure, call Bev now on 94841927 for your chance to win one of three double passes to see the unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry, which will be on Wednesday, 7th of June at the newly renovated Event Cinemas in Inaloo, starting at 6.30pm. Go to it, guys. Enjoy. We'll be back in a moment. 100.1 This is Let's Talk Gardening. You are with Ray and Faye this morning. Special guests coming up, joining us in the studio at 20 to 9, will be Ben Mayo, horticulturalist. We're talking clematis and all flowers for that matter this morning and we're certainly taking all of your regular gardening questions too. Now, Faye Caro, you had a special week. I did have do a special tell, week. Do yes. tell. Some people may know that I'm a nana and this week my daughter gave birth to a baby girl. Congratulations and to all her, of you. Thank you. And she was born... 3.01 kilos or something. Decent I worked it out. Size. It's around seven pounds. So mm, nice but size. She's for so a girl. tiny, Ray. Mm. And her name is Isabel Winter Faye Evans. Yes. And she's just, she's gorgeous. I've had a lot of cuddles this week. Yeah, Very nice. lucky, Nana. And her brother is so proud. And yeah, he and sits on the seat and, yeah, and does his this action hands, with his hands and he goes, Please. Give me, give me. And as soon as he gets that, he has a look. Oh, he was putting his face to her face and he's so gentle. We did a bit of coaching with a doll and touching hands. So he and, knew not to yeah, squeeze it Touching too the hard. head. We've gone away from pointing our eyes, noses and ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. But it's just lovely. So yeah. that makes you Nana how many times now? Six. I can remember some years back you saying, I don't think I'm ever going to be a nana. I don't think my kids are ever going to have That's grandkids. That's in the very, well, not so distant <laughs> and, then it, and then it happened. Past. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. Yeah, no, yeah. good on you. So, no, a wonderful week and a long time coming. And I know you've been on tent hooks waiting mm. for this baby to be born and she did, was delivered safely into the world on Monday, yeah. the 22nd. So, well done. Yeah, the world is a wonderful place. It sure is. Yeah. It sure is. So... Yes. All right. Now, we do have winners to see uh, the movie. We've got Jennifer from Nolamara, Jean from Dianella and Jennifer from East Fremantle. So you're all going to be coming along and joining us at the movies on the 7th of June to see Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Congratulations, guys, and thanks for playing with us. I think it's going to be a great movie. Everyone's very oh, keen yes. to go. I, I had a little bit of a look. It's not based on a true story. It isn't. No. Okay. No. But it's it still sounds, a great story. It sounds amazing. Yeah. It could have been. Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> it could have been. Absolutely. Are you going to go? Oh, probably not, Ray. Mm. I, if the sun's shining, I just, I just have to be out, in, out in the garden. Yeah, this is at six thirty at night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We're uh, we're in Mundaring. Good morning, Margaret. Oh, good morning. I'm How are you, Margaret? Early. If a rose doesn't get enough fertilizer, 
Well, it's perfume fade. Oh, that is a very good question. Uh, we'll get John to do a bit of Googling on this one. Uh, I don't know. I My thoughts, my guess, would be that the perfume comes from the variety. I don't know that you can enhance perfume or fragrance with anything, any trace elements. But you know what? Maybe they they haven't trialled it. Yeah. No, it's just that I had a rose that, that gets a bit neglected out the front and and just wondering about, um, you know, the perfume sort of faded. Mm. Uh, it's another question for our horticulturalist Ben Mayo when he comes in. We'll, we'll put that to him. They don't oh, teach yeah. that at horticultural no, school, you know. I think it would be highly unlikely. Well, but... Yeah, if they haven't studied it, if they haven't done trials, it yeah. may not be documented. And honestly, there are a lot of things they uh, have not done not trials documented. on. Yep, okay. Because mm. there again, it could, I suppose, also depend on the pH of the soil for the genetic makeup of the rose. Mm. And sometimes I wonder if plants that have been given a, a tougher life, if it would, in fact, have have more fragrance. Oh, Okay. Mm. Yeah. We will we will see what we can find know. out. Yeah. Cuz these roses are all, you know, 20 30 years old and my mum never bought a rose unless it had a fragrance. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like fragrant cloud and papa meland in particular. Yeah. Very strong. All right. We'll we'll come back to this, Margaret. Yes. Good. Uh, thanks. Bye. Okay. Now. Have a Bye. great morning. Yeah, roses are just looking specky at the moment. Their autumn flush is always spectacular because the colour is sort of deeper, isn't it? Mm. And that they really are doing well. For the for those of you who have survived chilly thrip, I hope your roses are blooming. Mine aren't too bad at all. We're in Canning Vale. Gina, hi. Hello, good morning. 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 Um, yes. I wanted to ask you questions about uh, a mango tree which we have grown from seed. Um, it's about five, six years old. Um, this year, when it was time for fruiting, it had flowers and it had fruit, but then it fell off. Okay. So do they need to be grafted? No, they, they don't. They don't. No. They will, okay. they will grow from seed. Uh, is it a very big tree or is it still quite it's still, small? Yeah, it's not, it's not a huge tree. No, it's about a metre and a half high now. Okay. I would probably prune it back about now, uh, not when it's raining but in this fine weather. And that yeah. will encourage some new growth and you will get more branching more leaves and more opportunity for it to to grow uh, and flower. And also mm -hmm. keep up the mulch when the weather warms up and yeah. trace, trace elements, fertilisers with good amounts of trace elements and probably particularly one for flowering and fruiting plants. Oh, yes. Um, the tree is quite healthy. It is. Um, it has got quite a lot of branches. It, like after it flowered and fruited, it got a lot of new shoots. 
So it's, um, you know, to me, it looks like it will be fine. I don't know. Um, well, I tell you what, Gina, next weekend on the show, we've actually got yes. Chris Oliver and he yes. he specialises in growing fruit trees. So okay. um, we will definitely talk about mangoes and avocados next week and figs yeah. and grapevines and what what everyone should be doing now and what not to do now. Okay. So how about an avocado tree that's been grown from seed? Good luck. Uh, and I say that because it can take 10 years to fruit, if if at all. It is a bit of potluck. They do do better if they're grafted. Okay. Because the tree, uh, I'd say it would be a good, I don't know, 16 years old. It did flower uh, a few years in, like, a couple of years it flowered because I saw the flowers, mm-hmm. but it didn't hold the flowers. It just, the flowers just fell off. All right. I, I'll make notes about this. And when we've got Chris in the studio next week, we can talk about yeah. seed grown plants and and what they need to flower and fruit, particularly the avocado. Yeah, and also a Fuji fruit tree that's been grown from seed. Does that have to be grafted? That one I have no knowledge of, I'm sorry. Yep. That's okay. quite like an apple, isn't it? No, it's like a persimmon. It's, okay. Yeah, you would eat it like an apple. All right, it's, um, we'll... Yes. Is it okay with you if we cover that next weekend? Yes, that would be great. We we will have a specialist in the studio then. Right. Um, any idea what, more or less, what time? He will be here with us from 8.40 next week. Okay. I will listen to it then. All right. Great. Thanks, Gina. Thank you. Have okay. a good day. And Antonio has come back. I reckon he's thought of something. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Hi, Antonio. Hi, I'm sorry. I forget. When, when I plant them in the ground on a pot, these, uh, let's say, either ones, uh, do I have to water them or just don't have to worry about that? Please? You know, I would just put them out under the trees that you're pruning them yeah. from and just leave them yeah. there and... And pretty much initially they don't need to be watered because we don't want them to rot until they've got roots. We don't want them to rot, so we don't want them to be too wet until they've got roots. But they would probably be okay with winter rainfall. And summer? And by summer they'll have roots and then you'll pot them on and then you'll be watering them regularly. Uh-huh. Once a week or twice? It Well, it will sort of be incremental depending on the temperatures rising, what sort of potting mix they're in or if they're in the ground, just pretty much to keep them moist. Yeah, and the best to water them, I'm sorry, thank you, uh, uh, water them in the morning or in the evening, isn't it? Not in the heart of the day, heat of the day. Yeah, I, I like morning watering. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's it. Okay, have a great day, Antonio. Bye. 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 Okay, now, I think you've got a couple of emails you'd like to do. We have uh, another one fruit tree related. Mm. Um, 
And this comes from Val, and it's a bit distressing, really, Ray. She's recently had her mango tree trimmed along with an avocado tree. Mm. The guy that did the mango tree first used crampons. I'd actually never heard of that term before. Crampons are the spiked climbing Good grief. boots. And, 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 you know, I, if you're not terribly worried about a tree, that's fine, Um but if you are, damaging the bark of a tree that you're trying to look after is honestly the last thing you that want you to would do. do. Mm-hmm. Any self-respecting fruit tree pruner would be using a ladder mm. and they would not be climbing a tree and spiking a tree. The you know We know that avocados are susceptible to some of the fungal diseases, so by spiking the, the trunk of it is just... Um, we have yeah, no uh, words. We have no, no words. I, I, I know. really I know. don't have any words. Um, the the next day, marks or sores appeared on this tree where the crampons had bit bitten into the bark, in. mm-hmm. and there are lesions and white marks. Well, this is a response to the wounding of yeah, a tree. Yeah. Um, and Val would like to know if she's anything anything that she can do to help heal the sores. So this is why we've got Chris coming in next weekend. The other thing is um, in the centre of this is some weeping. It looks a little bit like sugar volcanoes. Now, if you have an avocado, I know that it, it is one of the trees along with many, many others susceptible to the shot hole borer Mm. and the result can be sugar volcanoes appearing on the side. But the borer would be making lots of holes together in the same location, not evenly spaced up the tree. So I think we can rule that out. Anyway, we'll have Chris joining us next weekend. So we've got a lot to cover. But if you are getting someone in to do a job for you, Mm. do a little bit of homework yourself. If you haven't had them work for you before, I would... I would monitor them. I would keep an eye on them. I would be aware that if you're trying to look after your fruit trees and, you know, there's a range of everything from tree loppers and gardeners to arborists who will do a varying range of work using varying tools. Mm. So we're looking for someone who's going to treat the trees with respect, who knows what they're doing. Please factor that in when people are doing work in your gardens yeah and if if you're if you're concerned ask them to stop and wait i saw something else this week where someone had come home and i think it was their olive tree had been pruned there was not a leaf left on it Mm. now i'm sure it will be fine Mm. but it's not what most of us would want of our trees and we certainly would not expect that Mm. if a gardener comes in to prune our trees Mm. not at all yeah so yeah just just a word of caution yes buyer beware caveat emptor now actually we're going to have a busy morning i'm going to give something else away actually how about the tickets we've got to yes we have two double passes to the Gigi Gannup Small Farm Field Day. Which and is happening. on tomorrow. Yoo-hoo. So up at, up at Gigi Gannup at the showgrounds, yeah. there are workshops, there are animals, a honey festival, 
a slow olive festival. Whatever that um, means. But yeah. it's always a big day, isn't it? Oh, there's there's lots going on there and a range of speakers. Yeah. So the tickets will be emailed. So you need to have, have an, an email, email address. address. Mm-hmm. Two double passes. First two people to ring in now, speak to Bev, give her your email address and the tickets will, will be, be sent emailed to you. to you today. Okay, so that's 94841927 if you'd like to go along tomorrow. Two double passes are up for grabs. Okay, we'll do that. Now, let me see. We've got a minute before I have to go for another break. Whoa. Okay, what can we talk about? What's in the nurseries at the moment? Because we did a little bit of shopping. We could talk about what we're planting in our pots for our herbs. Well, you veggies. did a big herb shop yesterday. I did. Do I share. did. I'll Do just share. run off a list of things that I'll be planting. There's rocket. And yeah, I love rocket. Bulb fennel. Yes. I got red legs onions for something a little bit different, different. because you can trim the tops off while the bulb is growing. Not that it gets really big at the base. Uh, parsley and... What else did I get, Ray? Uh, I got a few lettuce, mixed colours, because you can easily pick a few lettuce leaves. Coriander? Yes, coriander. Now definitely is the time to plant coriander in the garden. Um, And I threw a few of those fresh herbs into the spaghetti that I was cooking last night. Makes all the difference. Well, it does. Herbs in cooking, it's a must. It felt good. Yeah. Um, Oh. Ray, I'm just going to pull up I the remember? photo that you sent me last night of the damage that you did. Rocket, fennel, parsley, yeah. coriander, red legs, onions. Mm. I got calendula because they're a lovely companion plant and they're bright. You, once you've got the plant, you can keep saving seeds. Uh, so silver beet, si- rainbow oh, chard. Rainbow chard. Uh, and thyme. Thyme. Spinach. Yes, English spinach. And some calendulas for... Yes. And uh, I think, and you've said parsley, didn't you? Yeah. So you, know, you can do a, a nice haul, a, a thriller, a filler, and a spiller with that lot, oh. and and a variety in colours and textures. The bigger the pot, the bigger the plant. So yeah, go big or go home. We'll watch this space. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. And we are back. We have Ben Mayo in the studio with us. Good morning, young man. Yes, good morning. Nice and brisk outside, isn't it? Yes, it sure was. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So it's coming fast, the cooler weather, hasn't it? Yeah. I find the nights have been getting quite cool. Yes, they um, have. But the days the, have been quite sunny. Yeah, yeah. Lovely days in the garden. Yeah. Oh, magic. Absolutely magic. All right. Thank you for joining us. We will be... Uh, yeah, certainly putting you to work very shortly. We're in City Beach talking about trees. Randy, good morning. Good morning. I have multiple tree problems. Let's do the easy one first. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, several um, um, trees have sprouted in the front garden on the front verge. Uh, will they ever fruit? Do you know what they are, Randy? Yeah, they're olives, sorry. It's also olives. Oh, I'm sure they will. Olive, olives they are will. really easy to grow. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The I flavor, thought if they just grew from seed, they didn't bear fruit. They, they will. The flavour will be um, could be slightly different to the original tree um, if they've cross-pollinated with another one in the area. Um, but they, they will grow and bear fruit. You'll probably have to wait at least seven years, though. Okay, I'm, I'm patient. 
Now, the next one, mango tree. After seven years, I gave up on it, and I dug it up, and I discovered that the root was just a round, rock-solid wooden ball about half the size of a basketball. Oh, what a shame. Um, well, yes. <laughs> I think this is my fault. I, I, I always thought when you transplant something, you want to protect the roots as much as possible. And obviously you're meant to spread them out in hindsight. Well, it's possible from what you're saying that it was root-bound when it was planted. So if we do, when we take a plant out of a pot when we can tell that it's root bound we then tease the roots out a little bit and that mm -hmm. should have helped but yeah did you plant it originally i did yes i'm the culprit okay oh well almond tree that's had the same symptoms uh, i haven't pulled the almond tree out uh, thought i'd wait until it was dormant dig it up and have a look but now back to the mango tree I got a new one and put it in, and I took the old one out and I put it in the pot. It's still thriving as well as it ever did. Is there anything I'm likely to be able to do with it, or is it turned uh, in the mulch? The mango tree, you mean? Yeah, the one that's the, with the big rock wood uh, root mold well, underneath it. Is it pushing out any roots into the outer area? Uh I wouldn't be able to tell without pulling out of the pot now. Uh, not, uh, I, I don't know. Is the tree healthy? Uh, yes, the tree's healthy. It's always been healthy. Uh, it's, a, it's a long story, this tree. All right, perhaps. Um, um, you know what? We have a fruit tree expert in the studio next weekend, deals with all sorts of trees. Um, I, I wonder if we might discuss this next week, Randy. Yeah, we might try and get him next week. Okay, now the last one is the, the same thing again, the avocado trees. Uh, do they have a tap-type root or uh, do they are they spread out like a fruit tree, like a, a citrus tree? It depends if they were... Um, if it's a grafted one that was grown on a seedling then the seedling would have had the tap root. But if it was just a cutting, um, then it would just have spread out roots and not have the tap root. So it just can depend. Yep. Um, so I've killed a lot of these. They don't seem to like sunlight. Uh, and your city beach, so your, your beach. soil is alkaline. Mm. Uh, you possibly get salty winds. So protection is very important. So there's a, there's a couple yep. of factors there, and I don't know. You do you have limestone in your soil as well? No, it's, it's all white beach sand is what we're dealing with here. Okay. Um, so we we um, I put sulphur on it frequently. Um, with with the mango tree, when I first put it in, it grew like a weed, um, and then it stopped, and it only ever had two branches on it. Mm. One branch would have flowers and set fruit, and the other branch just grew. And after about two or three years, I realized the branch that was growing was coming off from the below the uh, grass. Uh, so well, but in in any case, uh, but with the uh, uh, the avocados. 
is it how wet they are? Will that determine whether they're going to sunburn or not? Well, avocados really require free-draining soil, but they do have a shallow root system. The best chance your trees have got is to plant them into well-prepared soil and to continue to, to add mulch to cover the roots and also something that will hold moisture in the soil, like clay and compost is a very good addition, as well as tra- trace mm-hmm. elements. And also something yep. that will hold... Yep, I put clay in a few places last year, actually. It, it has certainly made the weeds a lot harder to pull out. Um but that's what we'll do. We'll we'll mulch the living daylights out of the avocado trees and see how they go. Okay. And listen in next week because we will be talking about avocados and mangoes. We'll talk about uh, pot-bound plants and recovery. We'll talk about wounding and how to to help trees that have been damaged or have suffered in their younger life. Yep. And Randy, next time with the root ball. Randy, next time you phone in, if you could have your radio turned off in the background, it makes it easy. We can't. You know, we have trouble uh, hearing you. So, so do the listeners. Yep. Okay, Squire. Okay, All Thanks right. for your call. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Cheers for that. Uh, thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Yeah, so guys, when you ring in, please make sure your radio is turned off. It makes it really hard uh, for us to hear and certainly for anyone out there listening in as well. What a a shame. You know, one of the things I've always said about fruit trees is when you're starting out, it's the the best chance that you get to prepare your planting hole. And when you take a plant out of the pot, observe the roots, look at what you've got. Sometimes, you know, the roots are hardly formed. So it tells us that the plant is young and it needs a bit of extra nurturing. Try and understand what the plant needs to start with. Yeah. And also, if it is a fruit tree, try and do a little bit of research about the best variety for your area. Mm. So know what you're actually buying. When it comes to down the track, you know, the question I'll ask is what variety it is because that tells me a bit about perhaps the rootstock, if it's grafted, what size it will grow to. And then we also know uh, avocados need free-draining soil. So to to plant that in city beach sand, Mm -hmm. the tree is likely to struggle. It can be done, Mm. but... People need to know what to do. What to they get need to the do to results. get the results. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Now we do have winners for the tickets to Gigi Get Up tomorrow. We've got Chris of South Guildford and Stephanie from Medina. They are the winners, and we need to ask Chris if he would call back, please, because uh, we need a contact number in case there's any email issues. Okay, so Chris from South Guildford, if you could give us a call back, please give Bev a call, 94841927. Okay, we shall return. You're with Let's Talk Gardening and our special guest in the studio who we will be speaking with very soon, Ben Mayo. Now, we will be going to the news at 9am. I am going to give away $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees up there in Pickering Brook. Now, I was browsing Bigger Trees' Facebook page yesterday and I spied uh, beautiful pics of noreens. We were talking about them last week and camellias all flowering beautifully and i have saw that bigger have a new supply of proteas and leucodendrons and leucospermums including king white 
King Pink, Special Pink Ice, Little Prince, Amy, Burgundy Sunset, Harvest, Devil's Blush, Purple Haze, Sixteen Candles, So Exquisite, and Banksia Birthday Candles. Wow. Okay. Phew. And Carrie says the citrus trees are fruiting very well right now too. So Ooh, I wow. Need a citrus. Okay. Well, there. That's your spot because she specialises in citrus. Okay. And as we know, frangipanis and orn- ornamental fruit trees. And Bigger Do deliver across the metro area. And you can learn so much more if you go to biggertrees.com.au for some great online options. And do check out their Facebook page for regular updates. Here is your John's question now. You must be a Curtin FM member, not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. You know the number, but here it is, 94841927. Here is John's curly question. Not so curly today. O.C. Smith told us in a song that God didn't make what fruit? O.C. Smith told us in a song that God didn't make what fruit? Give Bev a call now on 94841927. And that fabulous $75 gift voucher will be yours this week. Okay, carry on. Well, well you've got five minutes. Okay, to okay. let's talk Clematis. about clematis. Mm. Yes. yes. One of my faves, even though I can't grow them, um, I adore them. So Ray and I are both going to have a go. So we are. What, what do we need to know? Keep the roots cool. Yes, that but the main how, how, how? I had someone ask me during the week, do you, have, do you, do you put a brick in there? Because yeah. there's some, some old tales about doing things like that. I just have them in a um, – I've got mine between my patio and my fence line, which is quite a narrow garden bed, which doesn't only get sun in the middle of the day. So I put an arbor up in that section. So then the sun actually isn't hitting the ground at all. And it grows lovely. I, my neighbour actually gets most of my flowers because it grows all across the fence and down her side. <laughs> will they take That's full not right. sun? Yeah, the leaves will, but not the roots. So that that could be the perfect perfect plant for those gaps where yes. you know people have the the narrow spot beside the house. It gets full sun midday. Yes, mm. and not much else. Perfect. I, I just put an arbor or a climbing frame up, and the roots are sitting in a nice cool patch they grow up my climbing frame and once they've covered the top no sun is actually hitting that ground at all and it's thriving so it's um, got the perfect recipe yeah perfect yeah I've, I've grown a couple the one that has always done the best for me is i've got little creamy bell flowers with like um, red freck well maroon freckles all over it um it's stunning and the seed pods there would be thousands of flowers on it all the time mm. and I'm, oh what yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it looked good from my side of the fence until I visited the neighbour, and then I realised that she actually gets the best. Show. She's getting wow. all the benefits. Oh, she also gets all my um, passion fruit. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! But the, the main thing is, um, they they like free draining, um, well well fertilised soil, so it just has to have a lot of organic matter in there, because that just helps regulate the temperatures as well. So, what do you use for organic matter? I use most composts. Um, that I, I got my own compost bin, but I do add others that I, I'd buy bags of um, and use I use palletized like manures, usually palletized chicken manures. Um, there's a few different ones around. I just get whatever. And you add them I'm into getting. the hole. Yeah. And then and I sprinkle them across the top um, and uh-huh. even palletized um, seaweed products. Yeah. So they're really good because they, they break down in time and they, mm. they swell up, they hold moisture. 
and I do mulch um, usually with uh, like a triple C or a lupin type of mulch. Mm, I put a, a few soft of those mulch. Down. Yeah, mm. and a light coloured one. And that's um, again for the root system as yeah, well. It is, and, and just and to hold the moisture. And yeah. yeah, I get easterlies, so yeah. um, it just Don't keeps we all? that area. Yeah. And what about in a pot? Yes, but that that's the challenging part is to make sure the pot doesn't get any sunlight on it. Okay, that's interesting. And not a dark coloured pot. So anything mm. that can kind of, um, if you do have it in a, a, a dark pot, put other pots around it so they're shading it. To keep the pot cool. Yes. Very interesting. Now we do have a winner for the $75 Bigger Trees gift voucher, Margaret of Bentley. Congratulations, Margaret. That gift voucher will find its way to you this week. Let us know what you get with it. Okay, I think we can squeeze a call in before the news. We're talking about swamp mahogany. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hi, Ray and Faye. How are you both? Very good, good thanks, Tom. We have Ben yeah. in the studio with us as well, Tom. How you going, Tom? Okay, Ben. Um, my problem is I have a swamp mahogany um, it's been in the ground for about four years. It's been a beautiful tree. It's grown really quickly. It was healthy. Then all of a sudden, within a week or 10 days, it's, the leaves have just gone all dead. And I'm not sure what the problem is. I've checked the tree. I can't find any insects. I can't find any damage to the stems. It's just dropped its all its leaves. It's, um... So as its name suggests, it's it likes... Moist conditions, yep. swampy conditions. Yep. When did yep. it take its turn for the worst? About uh, 10 days ago. Oh, okay. So we wouldn't think it's um, lack of water at water, this time of no. year, given, given rains. No. Oh. It's, uh, I've got several others in the property that are young and they've all done magnific- magnificently around the place. You know, it's been really good. Um, but this one, it was beautiful, absolutely stunning. Two weeks ago, I couldn't fault it. And so it something went it. wrong. Yeah. Mm. Um, so you you need to consider what might have happened in the area, any interference with its roots or no. was there any work in the area? Has there no. been a spillage? Spraying. No spraying. Spraying. No spraying, nothing. I'm and- on acreage. Would right. be a borer issue. Could be. I don't have a bore. Um, oh no, sorry. I mean borer, I as in. A, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, the only thing I could think of, maybe it's got its roots down into some salty water or something. Maybe. Well, being a swamp mahogany, um, I I don't know. I can't imagine that anything that would kill it that quick. No, would I can't be, It was uh, sudden. Yeah. Yeah, that that yeah. So the leaves when you say they're all dead. Yeah. Are they damaged or they've just suddenly they've just gone, gone brown? It's like when you chopped a branch off, they just go brown and dry. No lightning strikes? No. No. Well, nothing. um it's turned up it, its toes. It happened, you know, I I could see it overnight. It just you know, one day it was beautiful, the next day, oh, there's something wrong with that tree. And it just went downhill fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, d- I wonder if the the Ag Department, Deep Herd, can, can help you or where mm. one would look. I tell you what, we'll get John to do a search and see yep. 
if if there's anything recorded that is causing uh, yeah. sudden death. Yep. Um, there's gum trees around it. There's jacaranda trees around it. Um, they're all healthy. There's nothing wrong there. Well, um, I wonder where where you would start looking. Um, mm. Where the branches have died, if there's any sign of attack. Look, look closely um, yeah. at the trunk. Look at you'd look at roots. Um, yeah, to me, if there's no signs it's in on gravel, the it's um, pretty hard to move the soil at all there. Um, but it's always done well. It's the ground is damp. Um, um, I can't see any sign of insects on the leaves. There's no chewing through the leaves or. What about on the you know, trunk or the branches? No little holes in there. No, it looks all healthy. Really good look. And how tall is the tree? Oh, it's massive. Oh. It's really in four years. It's done really well. Mm. Um, I can't really tell you what the height is. I know it's several meters high, ten meters high, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess the other thing, Tom, is to get a qualified arborist out there to have a look. Okay. Um, yeah. You know whether you actually want to go to that expense uh, and yeah. and look into it or whether you're prepared to just wait and, and see if it's an isolated incident. Do you think it'll come back? Um, uh, don't, don't know. No. Okay, no problem. Tom, Tom um, we have yeah, to go to the 9am news, Squire. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay, thank you very much for your help. All right, you're okay. welcome. Thank Bye. you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. And the temperature has jumped up to 11.1 degrees. The humidity has dropped down to 72%. Sunny day today, heading for a maximum of 19 overall. And the minimum overnight will be a nippy 5. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a maximum of 21. Looking ahead to Monday, the minimum overnight will be 8. Monday will be cloudy and a maximum of 23. Rainfall sitting at 26.4. Mills for May. Okay, as promised, we do have... ABC gardening, TV presenter, environmental scientist, writer, and oh, so much more, Mr. Josh Byrne. Good morning. How are you? You're with Ray and Faye and Ben. Hi, Ray, Faye and Ben. What a trio. How are you? Oh, we're doing great, thanks, Josh. It's quite interesting. This morning we've been dealing with questions all about growing uh, exotic plants in our soils, and I thought this is a great segue to you because that is your specialty, hydrozoning and improving our soils to grow all sorts of wonderful edibles and and plants from other places. Yeah, well, that's right. And uh, thank you for that um, very uh, practical introduction there. So, so that's right. It's, you know, it's interesting. I've been a sandy soil gardener for most of my, my life, and uh, it's one of those things that you do get used to, and it's incredible what you can grow uh, on these soils, but it all comes down to, you know, good design, the right method of how you plan your garden, realising that the best plants uh, for growing in these sandy soils are plants that have evolved to grow in them. Yeah. But then those special plants you want to grow, for me, I'm a keen food gardener, so it's vegetables and fruit trees or, or others who have, you know, um, favourite exotic ornamental plants, that's where you have to put some some working to improve the soil uh, so these plants grow well. So watering and saving water, what are some of your tips for uh, people planning planning out their gardens or revisiting gardens and, and doing it better, Josh? 
So the most effective strategy is eco-zoning. So I'm sure your listeners would be familiar with the term hydrozoning, which is where plants are grouped together based on their common water needs, and then they can be serviced by uh, separate irrigation stations. So each group of plants, whether it's turf or um, you know, bedding annual plants or fruit trees or what have you, if they're each serviced by their own irrigation station or zone, you can give them just the amount of water they need. But eco-zoning goes that one step further uh, and also considers plant nutrient needs and therefore the type of soil building and ongoing fertilising you have to do, um, in addition just to you know, grouping plants based on their water needs. But it also um, applies this idea that it makes sense to have those zones that have the thirstiest and hungriest plants and therefore the plants that need the most resources, water, fertiliser, your time, you keep those zones as intensive as possible and you put them in the high impact part of your home or property. Uh, And then those plants that need less resources, it's logical that those zones are larger. And if you take that approach either to designing a new garden or gradually adapting your own garden, you'll find that you will have greater success because you can focus your energies on those plants that really need it. Uh, And you will use less water, uh, less fertiliser, and you'll have um, a much better garden. So if we're preparing soil, for example, for fruit trees, what sort of things would we add to sand to help the plant, to benefit the plants? Sure. So the, the most important thing is getting organic matter into the soil. So, of course, organic matter typically in the form of compost, so it's well-broken-down organic matter, um, helps uh, hold on to moisture, it helps hold on to nutrients, but it also is the substrate for microbial activity, which is you know, the real driver behind soil fertility. So you know, well-prepared compost, either homemade or store-bought. Uh, and the other thing you can consider is also incorporating some clay, so either kaolin clay or bentonite clay, and there are various products on the market now in small amounts, And adding clay, again, starts to change the texture of the soil, but permanently. Um, With organic matter, as we know, if it's left to dry out, it it breaks down over time. Uh, But by putting clay into the soil, uh, you start to change that texture, and the clay, again, holds onto water and onto nutrients. Preparing the hole and knowing how much to apply is also important. So, you know, putting a new fruit tree in the ground, um, I often encourage people to dig a hole the same depth as the, as the root ball, you don't need to dig down. You need to dig out because these roots spread laterally. Yeah. That's where they go looking for water and nutrients. So typically three to four times the width of the root ball uh, and then you know, put some clay and some compost, um, you know, blend it back into the, into the soil that you've, um, you've dug out. Uh, and then, of course, um, regular topping up with mulch to protect that root ball, to protect um, all that microbial activity. You're creating a living thing in soil. So you need to protect that with some mulch as well. Oh, good, good tips. Now, what are the new trends yes. in gardening yes. or mega trends? Mega trends, we love to hear. <laughs> mega trends, yeah, it's a great term. It is. So, you know, there are there are some big, you know, things that are happening that are affecting our gardens and our garden behaviours, and and uh, you know, the first one really is so obvious: it's climate change. Uh, and uh, as we're seeing, particularly here in the southwest of WA, uh, which is you know one of the regions of the world that is um, really beginning to see some quite significant um, uh, impacts of climate change through both warming and drying. So the most obvious thing for gardeners is our drying climate. You know we've seen a distinct drop in rainfall over the last thirty to forty years, uh, and that's then played out in um, 
our access to water sources. So obviously we've been on a permanent two-day-a-week irrigation roster for scheme water for many years now. Uh, and then more recently, the introduction of um, the uh, garden uh, bore roster irrigation um, schedule of two days a week to align with that as well. So that's probably the most obvious thing, and that's to protect um, our groundwater because obviously with the decline in rainfall, we're seeing less groundwater um, recharge as well and ever-increasing demands on that. So we need to learn to garden with less water. And um, What we're also expecting to see in the decades to come is more extreme weather events, um, uh, hotter um, spells as well, uh, so heat waves. Oh, so we need to be able to design around that. And so that's designing our gardens that can cope with those conditions, but also how we design our gardens to make our homes and our, our outdoor living spaces more comfortable. So this is around shade and we're making sure that we do uh, incorporate green space, both in private and public areas, to help with urban cooling and combating the urban heat island effect. Um, so, that, so that's really um, the first one. Um, the next one, of course, is that um, you know cities in particular, uh, and uh, and also our regional towns, um, we're seeing lots of biodiversity. So it's what gardens and gardeners can do to really help address biodiversity loss. Uh, this starts again with making sure that we um, halt the loss of tree canopy in in, in urban areas, especially in private um, spaces, uh, and then also how do we incorporate other plants and habitat structures to start to see our garden areas as actively contributing to improving biodiversity and how our gardens can be linkages between reserves, so these might be bushland or wetland or coastal reserve areas. Our gardens, including our streetscapes and our verges, need to be the corridors and the links that link these together. Uh, so um, both fauna, uh, but as well as flora, we can see genetic flow through these areas. And again, in the face of climate change, where these isolated reserves become stranded, unless you have connectivity, uh, you'll start to see um, uh, much uh, more uh, uh, impact, I guess, of, of, uh, of biodiversity loss unless we connect these spaces together. Uh, and then the final megatrend I'll touch upon, which I think is the most exciting of the lot, is finally, you know, we have a strong evidence base now, uh, and it's very, very clear but guess what? Gardening is good for us. <laughs> now, I think most gardeners have intuitively known this for a long time, so it doesn't take a rocket scientist, you'd think, to, to come up with this. But uh, no doubt you've seen in the media um, over recent years and, and, and even in recent months uh, just uh, continual messaging around the recognition now of the value of green space. Again, both public green space and private green space. Yes. Uh, but also how good it is for people to spend time in their gardens. The process mm. of gardening is not only good for us physically, uh, but it's now uh, very clear, again, with a strong evidence base, a lot of research going into this area, recognising that it's better for our mental health and wellbeing as well. Uh, so that's a really important thing to, to latch onto uh, and, uh, and to get behind. I say that every week I come home from the nursery, Josh. I say it's <laughs> for my mental I'm, health. Yeah, I'm maintaining my <laughs> mental health, dear husband. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Here's a here's a bill. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Josh, are you still doing some workshops at the moment, or have we missed that boat? Yeah, no, no. We we've got um, uh, a workshop coming up actually this uh, this Thursday evening uh, down in down in Gosnells, and this is part of a of a workshop series that I'm running in partnership with the Department of Biodiversity, Conservation and Attractions, or DBCA, mm. as part of the Riverwise uh, Gardening Program uh, that they they run uh, through their River Guardians uh, program. 
Uh, and the event series, we've been running um, several workshops over recent weeks, um, is called Our Gardens, Better Gardens, Healthier Rivers. And it's all about um, helping uh, gardeners understand that very important link between how they garden and their, particularly their fertiliser use and their water use and the health of the Swan Canning River system. Uh, and what's interesting is um, that link is very, very clear. And, and earlier I was talking about you know, this idea of megatrends and recognising what people can do in their own gardens, uh, not only to help um, you know, provide resilience in the face of climate change or supporting biodiversity, how we garden also has a major impact on the health of the Swan Canning River system. Each year it's estimated around 250 tonnes of nitrogen and around 26 tonnes of phosphorus make their way into the river system, which is roughly double uh, mm. what the river system can naturally handle, handle. Um, without, without impacts of, of, you know, impact on aquatic life and other nuisance problems like algal blooms and so forth. Um, so, you know, people, um, if they think about how they design their garden, so they need less nutrient inputs, and then where they do improve soil, like I've um, you know, discussed just a, just a moment ago, how they can ensure that that fertiliser stays in the soil and is used by yeah. plants rather than either running off or leaching through the soils into groundwater. Um, so, yeah, this, um, this workshop is going to be covering um, some of those key concepts, but also delving a bit further into the megatrends that I mentioned mm. and then providing some very practical design and garden management um, techniques so people can have the garden they want uh, that's in keeping um, with the, the megatrends of the day. So how do people track this uh, workshop down? Is there somewhere they need to register? or There is, yes. So uh, people can just jump onto the River Guardians website yes, uh, and, uh, and they can follow the links from there. Or you can go to the Tri Event Booking webpage ah, yes, and yes. just put my name in and it pops up and you can register um, online. Now, there is um, a small booking fee, uh, but $10, but all of that goes to local urban greening projects. We're running this... Um, uh, this event series uh, in collaboration with Perth NRM and their Rewild Perth program, which is the most fantastic program, which is all about providing gardeners with the tools to help them choose the right plants and incorporate the right habitat structures to really help biodiversity in their garden. So very much in line with, um, with our philosophy for this event series. Uh, and so all, all the money raised goes to local urban greening projects uh, that they're running. Uh, so a great cause to support. Yeah, no, fantastic. Fantastic, Josh. Thank you very much. That's a great snapshot. It Hopefully really is. that's helped our listeners. And We'd um, love to yeah. get you into the studio one day. We know you're a busy man, Josh. Well, I'd love to, and it's been delightful to chat. Um, thanks for the chance, and have a great day, and we'll, we'll catch up soon, no doubt. All, All right. right. Thanks, All the best Josh. to you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. And that was Josh Byrne, ABC Gardening TV presenter. And if you're watching ABC Gardening, you would have seen Josh last night. He's an environmental scientist, first and foremost, and uh, among many other accolades is our Josh Byrne. It's nice to have someone of that level here in Perth, isn't it? It sure is. Curtain Radio. 24 minutes after nine. Special guest in the studio with us this morning, Ben Mayo. And we have been talking about clematis and we will return to that subject uh, as well. Now, Faye, what would you like yes. to say? Yes, well, John's come in. I asked him to do some more research, research on the swamp mahogany. And one of, my, uh, one of the flags that went off in my head was it sounded very much like we see in Banksias where they can get through summer fine and then suddenly, like, 
overnight the tree dies and I wasn't sure that it would affect a swamp mahogany but John has come in with some information that um, says Pythium or Phytophthora occurs when soil moisture levels are excessively high and fungal spores are present in the soil. So my thoughts are that it that Phytophthora is one of the things that could possibly have affected this tree. Uh, so, you know, that or Pythium, I'm not sure how Pythium acts, but I know with Banksias, they can die very suddenly and they can spread. What you don't want to do is cut the tree down and drag it because you don't want to move it. We're seeing evidence of it in our bushland where where trees die and sometimes the Banksias will die around them. Mm. I came up with some research not so long ago that suggested that possibly the addition of uh, some local native species and Acacia pulchella was one of them that may negate the effects. To to what extent, I don't know. Uh, it moves quite slowly as in a metre a year, but you certainly wouldn't move that, that tree trunk around. Um, yeah, it's, it's only a guess, but it's a thought. It's hard to get a diagnosis on it. Yeah. But its MO or mode of operation sounds like that could be the a possibility. The culprit. Okay. Mm. All right. And Florence, uh, thank you for your beautiful letter that we received during the week. Uh, and you rang in to talk about perfume roses regarding the fact that, yes, the buds don't smell great until they are sitting in a vase and open up. And you're referring to your own rose, the Charles de Gaulle rose. So the fragrance is much more prominent when it's open up in the vase. Absolutely. And I must say uh, the quiz that we had for the Bigger Tree voucher, I gave you the question. I didn't give you the answer, which is often the case. O.C. Smith told us in a song that God didn't make what fruit? The answer was God didn't make little green apples. Who did make little green apples then? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. All right. Um, we will do another voucher probably in the next 20 minutes, actually, for Green Life Soil Coat. Right now, let's talk to Mr. Ben. Yes. Yes, like your turn, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> We've made you wait long enough. We sure have. That's right. I was, it was good listening to Josh. Where, oh. where's, where does one uh, access clematis here in Perth? Are there many places where you can... There's less than there used to be. Yeah. Um, 20 years ago, I used to find them at quite a lot of the small and little nurseries. Yeah. Um, I find online is probably the best place yeah. to find the bigger, biggest variety. Um, it's just a challenge because you're not actually seeing what you're getting and you're getting a little plant but um they grow quite quickly once once they're settled in i've seen some beauties up in is it denise's garden um yes she's she does she some... has done them as well i'm yeah. not sure if she's got any at the um she's got them growing growing but, yeah. yeah whether or not they're available is another story but i've seen she's got beautiful display up there yeah um every time i go there to do a when she has a flower sale, um, I go, can I walk around, take some photos? And yeah. I'm taking photos of all of them. Yeah, yeah. So she's uh, she's she's got the key as well as do you. Now, you're also a salvia man, aren't you? Um, yes, I grow that many different plants. It's hard to keep up with myself. <laughs> <laughs> How big's your property? It's only a suburban block, 500 square metres. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I fit as much in as I, probably more, more than I actually can fit. I just yeah. have to prune more frequently. Because they yeah. they intertwine quicker. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. So getting back to the clematis, uh, flowering periods, uh, fertilising, uh, what's the program for looking after these babies? So, so there, there's two types. There's ones that flower on um, old wood. So they usually flower in the springtime. So they... Um, They'll grow, you don't prune them at all over the winter time, and then in spring they flower, and it's usually probably spring to early summer. And then you've got ones that flower on new growth, which will be usually summer to autumn flowering. How do we know which is which? Um, usually when you buy them. Okay. Um, I, it's hard to tell otherwise, um, mm. unless you've actually got it in your garden you can see it flower. Mm. But you'll always notice when it's flowering on older wood, um, it's it's... Virtually from the bare stems, it won't be too long until you get covered in blooms. When the ones that flower on new wood, you have to wait a good few months for the growth to come through and mm -hmm. then you'll get blooms on those. Mm. So I always say prune them after flowering mm. just to make sure on either case, then you'll be fine. And they obviously need trellising yes. of some sort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can grow up into shrubs and bushes. but mm, um, I've seen that. To keep them nice and garden happy i usually have arbors um i find arbors are actually quite good because they can grow up and they shade the ground at the same time that's a very clever idea yeah yeah and um the the where mine's growing on my arbor it attaches to um the neighbor's fence that has the lattice on top of the fence because she has a, a dog that's good jumper mm. so it just travels all the way along that and um it'd probably be a good eight meters long wow. from from the main plant how much water do they like? Mine just gets a normal garden two days a week. Just um, captures that and that's enough? Yeah, that's enough. As long as that ground is prepared well enough um, with, with moisture holding. Um, I'm, I'm in sandy soil, but mm. I've added clay and things to it. Yeah. So it actually um, holds that water a bit longer. Yeah, me too, me too. And, and, and feeding, what do they like? Um, I, I always feed organic fertilisers, just... Um, it's the best way to improve the ground every time you feed. So um, I do use liquid at times. It's more, my liquid fertilizer I just use as, a, as an added bonus, but um, pelletize manures, um, or, yeah. Well, it's mostly. easy, isn't it? Easy to throw around handfuls and yeah. a big bucket goes quite a long way. Yeah, and I always say to myself, plan every six weeks. If it happens to be eight weeks, it's not the end of the world because they're still breaking down as they go. And I also, um, I also use the organic stuff all year round. I don't really hold off in the winter time because it's breaking down slower. I just don't use as much. Is the organic stuff smelly? It, it is. Um, you probably got five days where it's... <laughs> where it's <laughs> I bet your neighbours love you. I, I don't mind the smell personally. I quite like it. No, I don't mm. mind it either. No. Um, I, I do hear the neighbours occasionally mention it because it's next to their patio, but that's, ah, yes. that's suburban blocks these days. Yes. Um, but usually I just don't do it when it's going to be um, an event. Well, like they won't holiday. complain <laughs> yeah. because they get the passion fruit and the flowers. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Sometimes I find a passion a bag of passion fruit at my front door and I know where it's come from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your vine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> By the neighbour. And, and what about, in general, winter flowering? What can you recommend? Um, do some salvias flower in winter? They do. A lot of salvias kind of have a, a, a slower period, but they might not mm. be in their peak flowering, but they, they still flower. Yeah. Um, it just depends if that's the time where you want to prune it or not. Mm. Um, I've got a couple that I brought recently, um, a beautiful pastel pink, um, and there was a red one that also I brought. I hadn't seen those colours before. Mm. They're the more um, tubular-shaped flowers, not mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. open ones. Mm-hmm. 
and they're yeah. flowering right now. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, giving us a nice colour. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I, as soon as I saw them, I had the colour was just amazing. I had to get them. Okay. Well, that's good for your mental health, Josh says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we're heading to Bell Divers. Fran, how are you? Oh, good morning, hi, ladies. Um, we've got an avocado tree that my husband did from Pip. Now, it's about seven or eight years old, and it's about four or five metres high, tall, mm. right up against the neighbour's fence, and we're wanting to lob the top. Can you do that? And you when can. would be a good time? You can. Usually after it's finished fruiting, um, it hasn't started to fruit yet. <laughs> no, and sometimes that can be like 10 years if if you're lucky. Mm. That's a very mm. good-sized tree. Um, well, it's a very big tree. But, yes, by, by cutting it back, you will encourage more branching and potentially more flowers. So I would, I think I would do it now before it gets any colder and wetter. Okay, and, and how much down could we go? Usually about 20% on a tree that size. Okay. All right. Excellent. Good. Thank you. And we could probably wait another 10 years before we get any fruit off. Well, mm, the, <laughs> the jury's out. I have one that I've grown from a seed and oh, we're up to 15 years. It had a couple of fruit on it. I had never pruned it. And so some of the, the lower branches are um, a little bit, yeah, that they've died back. But unfortunately, I looked at it the other day and I found the orange bracket fungi growing in the trunk. So after waiting all uh, these years, I just know that the tree is already in decline and I, I'm never going to get a crop from it. But mm -hmm. going forward, I will be going for a grafted variety that I know what it is and I know it will fruit <laughs> in, in mm. reasonable time. Yeah, my my sister-in-law did one, and it's 17 years, and this year, for the first year, she's got three avos on it, and she's beside herself with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can relate to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we all have stories, and, um, don't we? <laughs> absolutely. Would it be an idea, then, to cut back the lower branches as well, if they're quite low, touching onto the ground? Oh, um, if... Well, yes, it's not a good idea for branches to touch the ground. Um, mm. And sometimes the tree will actually, the those lower branches will die back if they're not getting the light. Okay. But, yeah, not to have foliage touching the ground is a good idea. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for your call. Right. Cheers. Okay. Have a Bye. great day. Bye. And let's go to Cardinia. We're talking about passion fruit. Jeanette, good morning. Yes, um, I just want to ask some advice about uh, replanting passion fruit because I'll just explain my neighbour behind me, boyfriend of mine. I always used to pull it back over the top, but he had a passion fruit vine that died and I thought while it's fruiting, he can have, you know, what grows over the fence. But he yep. poisoned them, killed them completely with masses of passion fruit still on them, still flowering oh. and all the rest of it. And to just to let you know that um, the police have actually classified it as malicious damage because he made no attempt to speak to me or put anything in writing about that it was annoying him. Mm. And they said it's the same as 
um, if I had branches from a tree hanging over the fence and he came into the property and chopped down the tree. So just to let people know mm. um, that the police were actually here on an unrelated matter and asked what happened to my passion fruit because it was all sitting there dead. Oh, and that's what they said. So, But what I wanted to ask was um, to prepare the holes because I bought two new ones. Um, what's the best way to go about it? I guess I heard that clay is a good idea, which I have, to add more clay. Yes. And I do have... Uh, livers to go underneath. <laughs> oh, good girl. <laughs> Faye yeah. loves a liver. Yeah. Well, the neighbours on the other side, she put two under hers, and you've never seen such green passion fruit leaves in all your life. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I've they. got one and a half to go in each hole. So, but what else? I, I do have my own compost. So I do have manure. It sounds, sounds like you know exactly spot. what you're putting in the ground. So that's exactly what you need. You need your clay, your compost, um, your livers would, would be an added bonus as long as you haven't got a dog that's going to dig them back up again. <laughs> yeah. And um, virtually just dig dig the hole wide enough, add everything in and mix it through quite thoroughly. And it sounds like they're just going to take off and give you heaps of passion fruit in no time. Um, is it best to chop the livers up? That's the other thing. Do you plant them whole or chop it up? Um, I usually use chopped up ones, but that's just because that's how I brought them. Um, so I, it, I don't think it would matter either way. It's just usually the, the nutrients inside the liver that's just going to benefit it. So I wouldn't put them too far away from where the root zone's going to be, um, like initially. So when you plant it, I'd probably put them close by to it. So I, I think perhaps chopping it up and spreading it through I've never um, chopped one up. Yeah. I've always just planted it whole un underneath. Underneath. Do a trial, yeah. Jeanette. Do one of each. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> yes, I can do that. All right. Thank you, people. Thank you. Appreciate good luck. Thank you. Thank you. And let's go to Como. We're talking about a friend, Japani. Nadine, hello. Hello. How are you? We're Very great. good. Thanks, Nadine. Good. Um, I have a question for you. I have a beautiful frangipani in our driveway, um, but you know what frangipanis do? They just get really tall and just end up dropping stuff in gutters and things. Can I prune it to retain the height of it Absolutely. and bush it out? Yes. How do, how do I do that? So you just have to keep trying to cut off any of the branches that are growing upright and keep more yep. of the branches that are going um, on like 45 degree angles or sideways. They're, they're very resilient. You can cut them kind of back as, as much as you like, but the, the main thing is just some varieties will be tall growers. And yes. Yeah. If it's is it, um, one of the common pink ones or is it... It's white. White, yeah. So it's probably just naturally going to be a taller grower, but you can right. you can cut it back quite hard if you like. Um, but then when you see branch, when it branches out, try and cut back some of the ones that are growing quite vertical and keep the ones that are going sideways, and that should keep okay. it at a better better height for you. Ben, when is your preference for cutting them back? When do you think is the best time to do it? I usually do it just before they start getting new shoots in spring. 
Um, okay. Yeah, because in winter, if you cut them back in winter, they can um, hollow out a little bit in the core. And if water gets yep. in there, and then they start it. to rot a little mm. bit. So usually this is the best time where they've got time to actually harden up and um, the sun to dry out any, any moisture that gets in those, those cavities. And for so, growing cuttings, turning them into cuttings? Same what? time. Do Yep. Yeah, yeah. Anytime, anytime from spring into early summer, but then after that, you you, you can do it during summer, but the, the longer it's got to grow its roots, the more chance it's got to do better for the winter time. Okay, so 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 spring for repotting. So when I when I cut it, with like you know they they grow it out into a v, a V shape. Yes. Should I cut it below a V shape or should I cut it above the V? Okay, so if you cut it directly on the V, it doesn't usually reshoot at that spot unless you do okay. it. Um, if you cut it a little bit above the V, like maybe even fifteen centimeters, then yep. it actually will branch out from above that cut. Okay. So yeah, right. I'd so say probably if, if you're trying to get it nice and full, then do it just above the cut, probably about 15 centimetres. Okay, so if it's going up into a, a, like a, a V, a y, a y shape, yep. then maybe cut the, the two parts where it's going off to the Y. So just sort of sh- sh- cut yes. the Y down. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I've explained that very badly, but anyway. Um, do you have time for one other quick question? And it's camellias. We're growing cuttings from camellias because I have a camellia that must come out. It's quite close to the building and it's looking pretty diseased. But when the new shoots come out, when the new uh, leaves come out, they look they look healthy. But um, I pruned it back uh, over a year ago and it hasn't flowered since. So what time of the year do Nadine, I... Nadine, we do need to go to a break. Yeah. But we... Okay. we have got enough of the question to answer this after the break for you. Okay, thank stay, you. Okay. Stay tuned. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, you're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. We will talk about the uh, camellia. camellia uh, Diana Rockingham phoned in and she's saying she agrees with the comments about water levels. She lives opposite a park. And over the years, when there's a lot of rain and the park becomes a little bit of a duck pond, she has seen many Banksias just die. Mm. Yes, indeed. All right. And I'm going to give away our Green Life Soil Coat voucher very shortly, but let's do the camellia. Uh, so, yes, camellia cuttings should be taken very late December or January when the spring growth has hardened off. So you want the the cutting to almost appear as if it's going to break. If you bend the cutting and it bends easily, then it's too green. So you need you need it to be a little bit more robust. Um, and then you dip it into a hormone or cutting powder, into a little cup with some seed raising mix, and then put a, a cloche over it. So a little piece of wire or a cool drink bottle so that it creates a little humid environment and then you put it away in a shade house or a light location and it can take months for them to take root. Mm. What was the wire thing? Uh, if you're going to put plastic over it, yeah. So just so that it's a little humid environment. Right, okay, so you make a little hat. A little hot house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm. got you. All right. Now, don't forget, we have an email address, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And John wants me to remind everyone that we do have to turn our sprinklers off come next Thursday, the 1st of June, uh, for the next three months. So in case in case uh, you forget. Now, we have a $75 gift voucher. 
up for grabs from Green Life Soil Co. The wonderful Paul and Linda Michener. Their philosophy is permaculture and Green Life Soil Co. is based upon that. They have a wealth of information on their website. All you have to do is go to greenlifesoil.com.au and you will find any product that you are looking for for your gardening requirements. They really have the lot. It is an awesome website. And they have a fabulous monthly newsletter. Uh, It's free and packed full of great information and that will lob into your email every month. Uh, Linda writes it and uh, it's really a great reference month to month about what you should be doing and thinking about in your garden. Uh, They also deliver throughout Perth and they do supply to other outlets. So if you aren't in the metro area, you can still access Green Life Soil Co. goodies. Uh, Jump on their website and you can find out more. Now, here's our... John's question, it's a true or false, not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Yada, yada, you know the rules, guys. True or false, there are 40 to 50 species of violet. True or false, there are 40 to 50 species of violets. Okay, give Bev a call now, 94841927. Okay, Faye, go. That was an interesting question, I thought. Yeah, mm. it's a tricky one. We, we're a set, another, we are set to Another learn. A tricky question from just Mr John Glidden. Mm. Uh, Ray, we have received an email this morning from Rosemary. She is 72 years young. She's mm. noted that on her email. So good on you for emailing and being able to send us a photo, Rosemary, that's excellent. She wondered if the bug that she sent in is harmful to ladybugs. It was being camera shy and kept moving Mm -hmm. and she hopes we can see what it is. Well, John's enlarged the picture and what you have sent in, Rosemary, is a photo uh, of a ladybird larva. But then I see there's a tiny little white dot there and I can't quite make out what it is. It's very, very small. I'm not sure if it's a bug, but the the black with the orange little raised dots is your ladybird larva. So nothing to worry about there. Oh, I guess the other little dot is probably an aphid. And that's probably, if it's not an aphid, it is probably the nymph skin. Because as the aphids molt, they leave behind a shed skin, mm. which is white. So I, I'm suspecting that's what that is. There we go. That's that one covered. Okay, excellent. Uh, let's get back to Ben, if we can. Yes. We've got 10 minutes left of the show, and then George Minoldi will take over the reins at 10 o'clock with the classic 60s. So you want more about Clementus? We would love more. <laughs> So there's there's a few native ones as well. Oh, yes, there is. They've got smaller white flowers and they, they're quite robust little plants. They will grow quite quite a decent size, um, but they're, they're lovely. Um, often see them when I go to places like Araluen and you go for a walk in their, their native area or their, their normal gardens. But um, lots and lots of colours. You can get so many different colours. Um, I like the yellow ones. For some reason, they... They appeal to to mine. Well, they pop, don't they? Yes. Yellow. Yeah. yeah. But then the the big blues and the purples—they're always is yeah. my thing. Mm-hmm. So I've I've seen I go to lots of different gardens. I go to open gardens and things like that, and I see all these different people that have that one to match their color scheme. <laughs> yeah. So some people just have this beautiful pink one that's just their the standout in their garden, yeah. usually on the edge of their patio. 
but um one of one of my favorite plants um mum always wanted one and she said that she couldn't grow them well so i brought one would have been when i was 18 and had that in my garden for many many years and mum always wanted to come over and i'd take flowers to her but they didn't last too long once i'd picked them off the plant so they, yeah. they tend to do better in in the actual garden than picking them for the house um, and there is a few that aren't actually climbers, but they're little ground covers. Okay, well, that's interesting also. I have not seen them with my own eyes, but oh. so, <laughs> um, they're probably ones that handle different conditions. Mm. I've, I've seen them available on the online shops. Uh-huh. Just usually by the time I got to it, they were all sold out. Gone. Yes. Mm. They mm. usually, um, some of the, the, everyone has their favourites, and I think a lot of people have the same favourite, and they seem to disappear quite well. Um, and some will lose their leaves and some won't. So always just when, when you're looking, try to find one that's got what's going to suit your situation. Yeah. There's no point having it um, where you've got a, an ugly fence behind it and it's going to lose all its leaves and then you see it all the time. Um, pick the evergreen for that situation. So mm. there's, there's always lots of varieties to find what suits you and don't be too impulsive. I was just about to say, <laughs> I'm an impulse purchaser. Yes, yes. And I was thinking that as you were talking. It's if your, I see something beautiful, I have to have it. Well, I, I used to do that. I'd go mm. through the online catalogue and I'd pick the first one that I saw that I loved and I've learnt, no, sit down, write the name down, go through the whole list. You're so patient. And then usually I have about 20 on my list and I have to keep reducing it back until I find Oh, my <laughs> word. It's very difficult when you see beautiful flowers. You, you are want disciplined. Yeah. yeah. It's the way to go. Exactly. Okay, we will be back in just a moment. Curtain Radio. And we have about six minutes of Let's Talk Gardening remaining. We have a winner for the $75 gift voucher from Green Life Soil Co. Robin of Kingsley. Good on you, girl. That'll be on its way to you this week. Faye, yes? Uh, we have received a lovely email from Nissa, and she has a tale about a clematis that she planted. She planted uh, some honeysuckle as well and an arch. And then she forgot about the clematis until years <laughs> later. She trimmed up the, and found the honeysuckle. The clematis was still In growing. There. It's a beautiful pink and she can't remember the variety. But her question is, when and how should I prune this plant? She's in the, the Rolly Stone Hills and she has a beautiful habitat garden. And this plant is actually in a wild part of the garden, but it does get water. I would say probably try, do it in autumn. If you're not sure exactly which variety, um, you can't go wrong with autumn because it gives it enough time to get some new growth if it's um, one that flowers on the old growth. And then if it's one that flowers on new growth, um, it will just regrow anyway and then you'll get new flowers the, the following year. So is now okay? Now, because it's autumn. Yeah, yeah it's autumn probably, for a couple more days. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have done it a few weeks yeah, ago, okay. but if, if you haven't done it yet, you might as well. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. And Mary from Forestfield has said she has a Mr. Lincoln and it hasn't been fertilised for a very long time, but but it blooms and the fragrance they is perfect. They are known for their fragrance, mm. absolutely. So it, it's ver- as far as we know, it's a varietal thing with strong fragranced roses. Yes, absolutely. Some are better than others. Now, our question was a true or false. This was for the uh, Green Life competition. There are 40 to 50 species of violet. The answer was false. There are between 400 and 500 species. Let's go straight out to Ascot. Joe. good morning. Hi, good morning. 
Ray. You'd like to talk about um, your frangie? Yes, please. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> I've got a frangipani out the front, but its leaves, some of its leaves are going really yellow with like bubbles on them and going very, very brown. It, they look as though you would expect the frangipani to look if you, it had chili thrip, if you know what I mean. But um, it's not the whole tree. It's just big branches of it. So do I cut them off um, and spoil the shape of the tree or do I just let it go and see what happens? How long has it done it for? Has it only been a recent thing? Um, it's only like like a month. I would probably I leave it. I know, um, just that, yeah. Yeah, because it, it could just, it could be environmental. It could be, um, they, they could have had a little bit of overspray or something on that part of the plant. I, I would say once it's lost its leaves over the winter, see how it goes in the spring. If it's continuing in the spring, then I would cut it back. But it, don't ruin the shape of it if you're not 100% sure um, whether it's going to continue to do that or not. Yeah, okay. So, okay, I'll just let I'll just let it talk to it nicely and let it go. And 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 if you do prune it back, prune back prune back that side, let that that side recover, and then the next year prune back the other side to reshape it back up to its original okay to a, a nice yeah, shape good again. Idea. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. And That's I know it. which Joe I'm speaking to now too. <laughs> Joe with Charlie, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. You'll see it when you go and you walk and you think, oh, my God. One of my dearest neighbours. Thank you for calling in, Dal, and take care. Okay. All right, love. Thank Look you. after Bye. you. Cheers. She's a gorgeous lady. Oh, lovely. couple more emails, Ray. This is from Billy of Maylands who says that um, they were asked to the Crown Bonsai exhibition by a huge fan. And all I can say is, wow, a yeah. most professional and informative experience. Um even little thoughtful things like music, lights and information. Mm. 10 out of 10 for an unknown hobby interest to me previously. Thank you for promoting it because I always listen when I can on Saturdays to the garden show. All hail to the Bonsai Society, your yeah. fan, Billy. Yeah, wonderful and, email. And another lovely one from Margaret who happened to listen last Saturday morning and caught a snippet about a lady who visits schools and talks about butterflies to the children, a wonderful way to care for our world and the environment. And um, Margaret was wondering if I have details, so I will pass them I on. I have done that already. Oh, okay. Yeah. And thank you so much for your help, as I'm delighted the children will be... Uh, We'll love it. Yeah, no, the butterfly lady, mm. Louise Peters, last week, she created a lot of uh, interest and people really enjoyed listening to her. We got a lot of response to that. So, yeah, so including actually my letter from Florence, and I, I will give you those details as well, Florence, people wanting to get in contact with her. Are we done? I think yes. so. Thank you, ben. ben. We did manage to cover Clematis finally, so... We are set for a challenge, Ray, you and I. Yeah, and if you have any problems, just let me know and I'll, I'll give really? you some help. Really? Yep. We can call you? Yes, okay. You Do they have any disease issues? Mostly just um, general pests like slugs, snails, like aphids, just um, the... occasional scale, okay. um, but tre treatable things. All the things we're used to. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanking Bev Daring and John Glidden and yourself, Faye Caro. A really nice show, a busy show. 
Hope everyone enjoyed the giveaways this morning, of which there were many. George Minoldi is next with the classic 60s and our gardenism for the morning is The Garden is a Love Song, a duet between a human being and Mother Nature. Faye sent me that earlier in the week, so I thought I should trot that one out for the listeners. It's lovely. Take care of yourselves, everyone, and happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.